This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulated and their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash Purple Rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. OutSchool.com slash Purple Rocket, code Purple Rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. Previously on Digger... Dylan found out that his mom had lost both of her jobs, and they were running out of money. Meanwhile, Mac, Dylan's super genius friend, heard a rumor about the existence of buried treasure under the baseball field at school. Feeling he had nothing to lose, Dylan agreed to help Mac dig for it. But after a couple of hours of digging, they began sliding down a steep tunnel until they landed in a dark and mysterious place. And now for episode two, The Under-Earth. What is it? Mac whispered, scrambling over to Dylan's side. Before Dylan could answer him, Mac peeked over the edge of the shadow on which they stood and saw it for himself, a glittering city of crystal. Whoa, he breathed. His eyes trailed up to the starscape projection above them. A shooting star streaked across it. 
What the? Nakja! Came a harsh voice behind them. Mac and Dylan jumped. They turned to see a glowing crystal in the shape of an arrowhead floating in the air. As it came closer, its red light revealed a face standing over it. The face of a girl. Her expression was stern but frightened. As she hesitantly approached them, Dylan could tell that the floating red crystal was actually the tip of the girl's spear. Nakja lakne, the girl growled, jabbing her glowing spear at them. Dylan froze, paralyzed with fear. Max scrambled away from the girl. Fififet, we're gonna die, we're gonna die. He stumbled on the squishy ground and his foot buckled, making him fall forward towards the edge of the shadow. With a terrified yell, he began rolling over the edge. Mac! Dylan screamed. In a flash, the girl appeared next to Mac and quickly grabbed his arm before he could fall. With surprising ease, she heaved him back up. Dylan watched her, too stunned to speak. Mac had the opposite reaction. She saved me! She saved my life! He whimpered. Oh, this is very confusing. Shh! The girl hushed. She stepped back and looked at them surprised. You speak English? Yes, Dylan said quietly. Funny, Dylan was just about to ask her the same question. But the sight of another person all the way down here was both shocking and terrifying enough to keep him quiet. He still wasn't sure what they were standing on so high up, and seeing this girl appear out of nowhere only added to the confusion. Are we in a cave? Mac asked, gradually calming himself down. Did we fall down a mine shaft or an old well or something? Dylan added, his voice shaky. A mine shaft? The girl repeated. I know not what you speak of, but we must go before we are heard. Quick, follow me. She led the two rattled boys to a small door in the unsteady ground, and after opening it, she dropped down out of sight. Dylan helped Mac go next. I don't want to go down. Why do I have to go first? Where is this going? Mac groaned as he descended the ladder. The same questions were racing through Dylan's mind, only he wasn't crying them out every few seconds. Dylan had plenty of experience swallowing his emotions. He knew that panicking or acting out wouldn't improve their situation. He'd gotten lost once, hiking the Grand Canyon with his dad. And when he'd started to cry about never getting home, his dad told him that staying calm was key to thinking clearly enough to figure out how to get back. Holding on to that thought, Dylan took a long, deep breath and carefully stepped down the ladder after them. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents... Digger.
When they reached the bottom, they found themselves in a big wood-paneled room. Glowing crystals hung from the ceiling on individual strings. They swayed as the room rocked, casting prism-like reflections on the rustic wood walls. Rusty cogs turned on one side of the room, and maps and crystals covered the opposite wall. Pipes and pistons hissed along the corners of the room, and straight ahead, the room came to a point in what looked like a cockpit. A handful of chairs were turned toward a bowed window. The girl was waiting for them at the bottom of the ladder, still holding her spear in a defensive position. Now that there was more light in the room from the crystals, Dylan could see her more clearly. Seeing her in greater detail made Dylan's heart do a flip. In full light, she looked much less human than she had in the shadows. She was young, probably not much older than them, but the similarities ended there. The girl's skin was powder white, and her wide face was covered in dark freckles. Her long blue hair was done back in a thick braid decorated with tiny glowing crystals. She wore blue robes, and from what Dylan could see of her arms, she looked lean and strong. If Dylan hadn't been so startled by her alien appearance, he would have admitted that she was kind of pretty. Mac was too busy taking in his weird surroundings to notice the girl's alien features. He turned around for the third time, marveling at the glowing crystals. Dill, I think we're in a National Park gift shop. Mac, these crystals are glowing without any visible connection to electricity, or Mac. Mac stopped turning and finally looked at the girl. He jumped. Goo! The girl firmed her grip on her spear. Dylan calmed Mac down and stopped him from trying to make a run for it. I don't think she means to hurt us, he said. You think she says hello by jabbing sharp objects at people? Dill, we're in a room with a dead chick who has a glowing spear. I am not dead, the girl said slowly. Her words were clipped and deliberate. The boys went quiet and looked at her. Dylan gave Mac a see-I-told-you-so look. Who sent you? the girl asked. Are you Union? Were you sent to stop me? We don't belong to a Union, Mac said. We're not even old enough to get real jobs. I don't think that's what she's talking about, Dylan said out of the side of his mouth. Nobody sent us, he told the girl. We just fell down a hole while we were digging at school and landed on this thing. I'm Dylan. This is Mac. Call me Macintosh, Mac insisted, trying to look intimidating and failing miserably. Dylan? Macintosh, the girl said, nodding to each of them. I am Mora, servant of the light. You do not know where you are? Dylan shook his head. You are from above, then, she said, pointing up. Mac and Dylan nodded. Mora quietly gasped. It is true, then. You are surfacers. Mac shook his head. Actually, no. I realize it's kind of misleading with my Hawaiian shirt and all, but I've never surfed a day in my life. Dylan elbowed him. 
She said surfacers, not surfers, you dope. He looked back at Mora. We are from the surface, yes. Mora looked overcome with emotion. She dropped her spear and stepped closer. What is it like? she asked. Is it as beautiful as they say? Now Dylan was really confused. Was she implying that she'd never been to the surface? A loud thud suddenly sounded above them. Mora frantically picked up her spear, muttered something in another language, and then ran up the ladder. Dylan smacked Mac's shoulder. Surfers? Really? This is all very confusing, okay? You can't expect any normal person to think straight in this situation. Her hair's blue, dude. How can you trust someone with blue hair? Shh, quiet. She'll hear you. I know, I'm freaked out too. Maybe she's part of some secret group of cave people who haven't been outside in a while. Max scoffed. In a while? Did you see her skin? I could practically see through her. Just cool it. Let's figure out who these people are and then see if they can help us get out of here. Mora was coming back down the ladder and she had someone with her. Dylan recognized the mud-covered overalls immediately. Laney? Laney reached the bottom of the ladder, trembling and confused. Her blonde hair hung out of a French cap in a tangled mess, and her quivering mouth struggled to form words. Her teary eyes widened when she saw what Mora looked like in the light. She froze. Laney, say something, Max said. Dylan waved a hand in front of her face. Laney, Laney, can you hear us? Oh no, Max said, taking a step back. She's gonna blow! Right on cue, Laney closed her eyes and screamed at the top of her lungs. Mora pointed her spear at them. Silence her, or they will find us! A horn blew in the distance. Mora looked horrified at the sound of it. Union Patrol, sit down and stay quiet. Dylan, Mac, and Laney tripped over each other as they ran over to the cockpit chairs, while Mora grabbed a wide sheet of fabric and some tools and then hurried back up the ladder. Outside the cockpit window, the kids could see flying objects with searchlights approaching. What is this place? Laney cried. Who is that girl and why does she look like she's frozen? Dylan grabbed his forehead. Laney, we can only have one person freaking out at a time, and right now, it's Max's turn. Yeah, wait your turn, Max said. Oh, why did I come back to check on you two? What have you gotten me into? The flying objects were getting closer, and their searchlights were coming dangerously close to spotting them. Their horns grew louder and louder. Dylan turned to Laney. Look, I know you want to scream and ask a million questions, but we have no idea what's going on. Just keep your cool and we'll figure it out together, okay? Pretend you're in a movie or something, Max suggested. That's perfect. Pretend you're in a movie, Dylan agreed. Laney's breaths calmed as the thought crossed her mind. I'm in a movie, she whispered to herself. And you're the star, Max said gesturing up at Broadway lights with his hands. And I'm the star. Laney's eyebrow raised and finally she calmed herself down enough to stop crying. Mora slid down the ladder behind them. 
Throwing her tools aside, she ran up to the pilot seat next to them and took the controls. With the flip of a few levers, the room hummed to life. Hanging crystals glowed green, and cogs spun wildly around the edges of the room. The walls creaked and rattled with the hum of the engine. This is a ship? Mac cried. Hold on, Mora ordered. I'm going to dive. You're gonna what? Dylan shouted over the noise. Mora threw the levers forward and the ship pitched down. Dylan felt the blood rush to his head as a glowing crystal city now filled the cockpit window. They yelled as Mora threw the levers back and forth, sending the ship into steep dives and sharp turns. Every few turns they could see a searchlight pass right in front of them. Horns continued to blow louder and louder. One more dive and they were heading for the ground. Dylan noticed it was getting lighter outside. He could make out the outlines of a wall in bubble-like shapes. Finally, to everyone's relief, the ship slowed and landed behind a tall wall of mud. Mora quickly flipped off the power and held up a hand to keep them quiet. They could hear the whirs and whooshes of ships flying overhead. A big one groaned and creaked above them. Its spotlights passed right in front of them on the mud wall a couple times. But at last, it moved on and the drone of the engines faded. Mac gagged. I'm gonna barf. Mora glared back at him. I do not know what barf means, but if it makes a mess in my ship, you will be sorry. Mac plugged his mouth with his fist as he struggled out of his chair. Poor Mac was notorious for getting motion sickness. Dylan could think of at least a dozen times he'd seen him lose his lunch on a fair ride. If the kid did so much as a cartwheel, he'd get sick. Stay close to me and do not speak, Mora said, rising from her seat. She grabbed her spear off the wall and then led the way to an exit door in the side of the ship. <laughs> well, she's bossy, isn't she? Lainey remarked walking dizzily after her. As they stepped outside, Dylan's eyebrows shot up. It was lighter outside, and he could see what they had been flying in. That squishy surface they'd fallen onto was basically a white football-shaped hot air balloon. Attached to the bottom of it was something that looked like a miniature pirate ship, Portholes lined the sides of the hull that was patched together with rusted metal panels. Where some of the panels were missing, the wooden plank underbelly was revealed. And instead of sails, the giant football-shaped balloon towered above it. The inflatable mass must have been what gave the ship lift. To the rear, a couple of jet engines protruded out the back, hissing as they struggled to cool down. Dylan thought about the ladder tube they dropped down from the top of the balloon. It must have been some kind of shaft that poked right up through the middle of the balloon, connecting the top of the balloon to the inside of the ship. Dylan had never seen anything like it. What is this thing? He mumbled to himself. He looked around. In the distance, an orange light was rising on the horizon, making the stars fade and the night sky brighten into hues of blue. A wall of mud stretched in either direction as far as the eye could see. 
Before it, dirt huts spanned miles and miles, dotting the land like endless brown bubbles. Hopping onto a nearby boulder, Dylan peeked over the mud wall and saw the crystal city in the distance. Giant projectors surrounded it, casting light on the domed ceiling above. Some of them were trained on the horizon, throwing a fierce orange light to simulate a sunrise. The surreal scene took Dylan's breath away. Dill, come on, Mac whispered, tugging on Dylan's shirt. Dylan shook his head and looked back at the others. Mora was beckoning them to a small mud hut next to the airship. In sight, hurry, Mora whispered, glancing nervously at the sky. Hurry, the patrol won't be far behind. Dylan, Mac, and Laney ran into the small hut and Mora closed the wooden door behind them. Hey, Rocketeers, thank you for listening to this episode of Digger, which is a production of the Purple Rocket Podcast. If you've enjoyed this story and enjoyed the other stories of the Purple Rocket Podcast, please let us know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Every review counts and it helps other people discover this show. Okay, Rocketeers, it's time for our Rocketeer Shoutout Minute. For a limited time, any Rocketeer that subscribes and leaves a review on Apple Podcasts with their first name and where they're listening from will get a special Rocketeer shout-out. But do it soon, because the shout-out review offer comes to a close at the end of January 2020. Here are some of this week's Rocketeer shout-outs. Warren from New York, Becky from Spokane, Washington, Corey and Lyric, 7-year-old David, Bronwyn and MJ, thank you all so much for listening and for supporting the show. You are awesome. And as always, Rocketeers, don't forget to check back for an all-new episode coming to you soon. So stay tuned. This is your host, Greg Webb.